Once again, I'm so very grateful for our worship ministry and uh, what, a, what a wonderful time of worship to be able to share with you all uh, today. Just does something to me every week to be able to share that kind of experience with all of you. I want to put a uh, picture up on the screen, ask you to look at it here for just a minute. Anybody recognize that? Tell what it is. What you're seeing there on the screen is an event that took place on February the 1st, 2003. If you don't recognize that, that is a picture of the space shuttle Columbia as it disintegrated upon re-entry into Earth's orbit during uh, its return to Earth on, again, February 1, 2003. If you remember, that tragedy killed all seven of the crew members. There was a lot of investigation that went into that accident. They concluded that the damage to the space shuttle resulting in this accident uh, was damage sustained to the leading edge of the wing of the space shuttle when a piece of foam insulation the size of a briefcase broke off of the external fuel tank and struck the wing of the orbiter, damaging uh, the heat shield. Um, you know, if you watched that shuttle launch, as I did, it was incredibly spectacular. Those astronauts completed 16 successful orbits, 16 days, 16 days of successful orbits of the earth. But in spite of all of that, the journey of Columbia ended in disaster. And here's the worst part about it. We know now it didn't have to happen. Engineers and NASA scientists actually saw the foam strike the very next day after the launch as they were reviewing video. But because they'd seen this happen so many times before, they had concluded that it probably wasn't very serious. Additionally, the United States had satellites in orbit that were actually able to zoom in on the shuttle and take pictures of the leading wing to be able to determine whether damage was serious or not. And plans had actually been started to, to make that happen. But administrators decided it would probably be too costly, too time-consuming, so they canceled those plans. Another thing, the astronauts actually could have done a spacewalk. They could have examined the damaged area and might have been able to repair it. But even if they had not been able to repair it, the next space shuttle, Atlantis, which had been scheduled for launch on March 1st, could have been moved back safely to February the 10th, and that shuttle could have been launched as a rescue mission to bring the astronauts back safely, but none of those options were seriously considered. You see, there was every single opportunity to avert disaster here, but because of pride, perhaps because of arrogance, Maybe because of pressure from the outside, because of apathy, maybe just a lack of serious investigation. There was no intervention whatsoever made, and the result was tragedy. Why am I telling you this? Because in many ways, that story is a parable of life. Because you see, you and I as Christians, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
We have been given, church, a critical mission. Not by NASA, of course, or by any other human organization. Our mission has been given to us by God. And it doesn't matter how impressive our journey may start. Neither does it matter what other people think as they see us making our way through life. Here's the truth. If we come to the end of life, and we fail to complete our mission, the result is disaster. So this morning, as we approach the end of our time together, I want to talk to you about what I believe is the most important thing I could possibly talk to you about. And that is discovering and fulfilling your purpose and your mission in life. And if you're a Christian this morning, my friend, you have one. God has given you one. Christ has given you one. The Apostle Paul perhaps verbalized this truth best of all in Acts chapter 20, verse 24, where he wrote and said, and we'll put this up on the screen, Paul said, I only want to complete my mission." And finish the work the Lord Jesus gave me to do. Paul understood he had a mission and he needed to complete that mission in order to be successful in this thing called life. But Paul's sense of mission was really modeled after Christ's sense of mission. And our Lord Jesus, in his prayer to his heavenly Father in John chapter 17, verse 4, said this. I brought glory to you, Father, here on earth by completing the work, by finishing the mission you gave me to do. So on this next to last Sunday together, I, I want to challenge you this morning. Regardless of your age, regardless of your stage in life, to either begin for the very first time or recommit yourself to passionately pursuing your purpose and your mission in life so that you can complete the work God has given you to do, so that you can be everything you were created and put on this earth to be, and so that you can walk in the fullness of the future that God has set before you, both individually as a believer and as the Church of Jesus Christ here at Taylor's First Baptist. Now, if you're familiar with Rick Warren and his book, The Purpose Driven Life, it's about 20 years old now. Much of what I'm going to share with you this morning is probably going to sound familiar because I'm just going to tell you right from the get-go, I'm going to borrow from that framework this morning to sort of set the stage for what I want to share with you. But I also want to try to make this very, very personal for you. Because there, listen, there is nothing in this life, nothing in this life more important than for you to discover and fulfill the purpose and the mission that God has given you. It's the only way you'll be successful in this thing called life. Now, I wish this morning I could say, 
uh, open your Bible, turn to a certain chapter and certain verse, and I'll be able to show you your own individual unique plan, uh, the, 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 the unique purpose that God has for your life. I wish I could do that, but I can't do that because I don't know what that specific unique individual plan for your life is. God does. So you need, to, you need to begin seeking that thing out. You need to begin talking to God about that. You need to begin spending time in his word to discover what that unique individual purpose and mission for your life is. I can't tell you what that is, but what I can do is either encourage you in the process of discovering that or help you start out to discover that this morning by showing you four universal purposes that God has for every single person. And the important thing about these four universal purposes is they form the boundaries within which you can discover your own unique individual purpose in life. If you don't get these four universal purposes down, if you're not involved in pursuing these universal purposes, I, prom- I will make you a solemn promise. You will never discover your own individual unique purpose under God. If you don't get these four universal purposes down this morning. So it may help you to imagine these four purposes sort of like um, the sidelines and the goal lines on a football field. You can picture that, right? The sidelines and the goal lines of a football field. What's next Sunday, February 7th? Super Bowl Sunday, right? Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs are going to face off in, in that championship game. Now, can you imagine Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady trying to lead their team to victory on a field that had no sidelines and no goal lines, it would be chaos. I mean, if you could just run in whatever direction you wanted to run, for as long as you wanted to run, for as far as you wanted to run, it would be chaotic. You'd never score because you wouldn't know where the goal lines are. You wouldn't know what the boundaries were. And listen, that's a lot of way Christians live their lives, and I don't want you to do that. If you don't live your lives within these four boundaries, I can promise you, you're going to be running around all over the field of life, searching, hoping, trying to discover what it is God wants you to do, but you'll never be able to do it if you don't get these four things down straight. So I want to share these things with you this morning. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to ask you four questions. And then I'm going to share four truths with you. And I hope by the time we come to the end of this this morning, uh, we're going to be be well prepared as the people of God to move into the future that he has for us. So here's question number one. First question you need to ask yourself this morning. What will be the center of my life? What will be the center of my life? In other words, who or what am I going to live for? What am I going to build my life around? What will be the starting point of my life? What will be the hub around which everything else revolves? What will be the foundation upon which I build the rest of my life? What will be at the very center of my life? Now, let me tell you right out of the chute, there are a lot of options out there. Some people will say, well, the center of my life is going to be my my job, my vocation, it's who I am, it's where I find my identity, and I'm going to be the best at my job that I can possibly be and reach the pinnacle of my vocation. Some, some people make their jobs the center of life. Some people make finances the center of their lives. I want to make as much money as I can so I can be as successful as I can and provide for my family the best that I can. Some 
place at the center of their lives, having lots of friends or doing lots of things or achieving lots of goals. And let me say, none of those things in themselves are wrong or bad. They just don't belong at the center. You see, if those things are at the center of your life, can I tell you, you don't have enough glue to hold your life together because if one of those things falls apart, guess what? So will you. If that's where you're putting your confidence. You need something stronger than that. And the Word of God says, at the very center of your life, you need a personal, dynamic, growing, intimate relationship with God through Jesus Christ. He must be the one you live for. He must be the one you're building your life around. He must be the foundation upon which everything else in your life rests. He must be at the very center. If you want a good definition of what it means to be a Christian, I'm going to give you one. Being a Christian means there has been a change at the very center of your life. There's been a change at the very center of your life. When you step across that line, you ask God to come into your life, to forgive you of your sin. You receive his gift of eternal life. It means the center of your life has changed from whatever it was to Jesus Christ. Scripture is replete with admonitions to make Christ the very center of your life. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, For to me, living means living for Christ. Galatians 2.20 said the same thing. I have been crucified with Christ, so, so now it is no longer I who live, rather it is Christ who lives in me. Christ was at the center of, of Paul's life. Everything else revolved around that. Everything else in his life was built upon that foundation. And Jesus said in Mark chapter 12, verse 20, speaking of our relationship with God, he said, you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. That means he's got to be at the center of your life. So here's the truth I want you to hear. God made me, God made you to know him and to love him. That's it. That's why you were made. That's why God created you, to relate to him. To relate to him. That's the reason why you're here. God left you on this earth after he saved you so that you would relate to him, so that you would know him and love him and spend your life in pursuit of him. And if you want to discover your own individual life mission, your own individual life purpose, what it is God uniquely has for you to do, my friend, you have got to start right here or you're going to miss it every time. Because your purpose and your mission is based on God's purpose and God's mission for your life. And it begins with placing him at the very center of your life. God made me to know him and to love him. That relationship must be not on the periphery, 
but at the very center of your life and the very center of everything you do. So what will be? What is this morning? Be honest. What is at the center of your life? What is at the center of your life? Question number two. What will be the character of my life? What will be the character of my life? In other words, what am I going to be? Let me let you in on a little secret this morning. God is far more interested in what you are than in what you do. I'm talking about your vocational choice there. Personally, I believe, and I, I, you know, students come to me at North Greenville University and ask me a lot of times, you know, help, help me. I, I'm not real sure what it is exactly God, God wants me to do. Well, personally, I believe there might be a variety of careers within the circle of God's will for your life. There might be a lot of different things that, that, that you can do. And, and what you do is, don't misunderstand me, what you do is certainly important, and you need to be checking that out with God. God, what do you want me to do? But God is always more interested in what you are becoming than he is in what you are doing. Let me tell you something. He can use you anywhere if you're the right kind of person. If you have the right character. Here's something else I say to those who who pour their lives into their careers. You're not going to take your career with you into heaven. Do you know that? You're not going to take your career with you into heaven. You know what you will take? Your character. The person that you are. So the real question you need to be asking yourself is not, What am I doing, but what kind of person am I becoming right now while I'm still on this earth? You see, there's something you need to understand this morning. If you don't understand it now, you need to learn it real fast. You need to learn this real fast. This earthly life, this earthly life is a test. It is is the preparation for eternity. We're going to spend some time here on this earth. 20, 40, 60, 80 years we're going to spend on this earth, but we're going to spend billions of years. We're going to spend eternity in heaven. Folks, this is the preschool, okay? This is the kindergarten. This is the warm-up. This is the trial run. God is getting you ready. He's trying to prepare you for the big time. And the only thing you're going to take from this life into the next is your character. It's the person you are. So we need to be working on that right now. And and be focusing on that because we're not taking anything else with us. So what should your character be? What should it look like? Let me share a couple of verses with you. One is one of my favorites. I quote from it or quote it many, many times. Romans 8, 29 says, Those God foreknew, He also marked out in advance to be shaped according to the model of the image of His Son. Some translations simply say, Those whom God foreknew, He ordained, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. That chapter, Paul saying you need to have this attitude in yourselves that you had in, have in Christ Jesus. And so he says, in your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. God made you. God made me. 
to become like Jesus in our character. In our character. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, became human so that you and I could see in Him what the character of God is like and the kind of character God wants to see in you and me. So the question becomes, what kind of character did Jesus have? Okay, What, what, what was He like? In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we find a list of character qualities that we commonly refer to as the fruits of the Spirit, okay? You, you know these fruits, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you think about those character traits, they really give us a picture of the character of Jesus. These are nine character qualities that we see in Christ that God also wants to build into our lives. But here's the kicker. Do you know how God builds these character qualities into your life? He builds these character qualities into your life by placing you in situations that are the exact opposite of those character qualities. Let's look at a few of them. Starts out with love. Okay, how, do, how does God build loving character into your life? By putting people around you who are wonderful and loving? No, because God wants to teach you what real love is. He'll put you around some unlovely people. He'll put you around people who hurt you. He'll put you around people who, who talk down to you, who, who put you down who criticize you, who don't appreciate you. That's that's how you're going to learn whether or not you really have this kind of love that we see in Christ. What about joy? How do you learn joy? When everything's going your way? No. You, 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 You learn joy when you find yourself in times of hurt, sadness, sorrow, grief. That's when you learn about a joy that is independent of your circumstances. What about peace? How does God teach you peace? When you're out by the river fishing, sitting around the campfire listening to crickets, maybe singing kumbaya? No. No. God teaches you peace by putting you in absolute chaos. The baby's crying. The food's burning. The kids are fighting. The phone's ringing. The guests are coming. The boss is yelling. The plans are falling apart. You'll never learn real peace until you're in the middle of the storm. Listen to me. God wants to build into your life and my life the very character of Christ. He wants you and me to become like Jesus. That is part of our life mission. And I can promise you, if you're not becoming more and more like Jesus, if you're not allowing him to shape those character qualities into your life, you will never discover your own unique individual plan and purpose that God has charted out for your life. Because part of that is going to involve making you more like Christ. So what's at the center of your life? Number one, what is the character of your life? Number two, question number three, what will be the contribution of my life? In other words, what am I going to do? 
with the talents and the gifts, the abilities, the resources God has blessed me with? How am I going to take those things and use those things to make a difference in the world? Can I share something with you this morning? You were not placed on this earth to use the gifts and the abilities and the resources that God has given you just simply to spend those things on yourself. To just use those things for your own benefit. God put you here because he wants to use the things he has given you to make a difference in this world and to make a difference in the lives of other people. Look at this verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, the Apostle Paul is speaking. And he says this, Acts 20, verse 35. Paul said, I've been a constant example to you of how you can help others in their need by working hard because you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Listen, when you boil it all all down, shake it all up, there really are only two kinds of people in this world. Only two kinds. They're givers and they're takers. So you've really only got two choices about the way you're going to live your life. You're either going to live it for yourself or you're going to live it for the Lord and for other people. But here's the truth. God made me to use my gifts and my abilities and my resources to serve Him and to help others. To serve Him and to help others. Listen, God wants to take your life. He wants to use it to make this world a better place. He created you and put you here so that you can make a positive contribution, so that you could be a difference maker. I want to really encourage you this morning. Can I do that? Let me really encourage you this morning to spend some serious time asking yourself, what is the contribution of my life? What contribution To the kingdom am I making? Am I really a difference maker? Who can I invest in? Where can I make a difference with my life? You know, Jesus spent his life giving it away to help others. And his gift, the ultimate gift of himself on the cross, listen folks, that's the only reason why you and I are even here today. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 16, 25, if you want to lose your life, just just try hanging on to it. Just try to gather everything to yourself. Spend your time and your resources and your energy on yourself. If If you want to find out how to lose your life, just try hanging on to it. But if you want to save your life, let go of it. Spend your life serving God and helping others. So what's going to be the contribution of your life? How is God going to use you to to make a difference? That's why God put you here. Part of your life mission is to spend your life giving it away. So you've got to decide whether you're going to be a giver or a taker this morning. God put you here to be a giver. His son, our example, 
was a giver. If you want to make a difference in this world through your life, you're going to have to begin making those kinds of contributions. And if you're not, I can promise you, you'll never discover God's own unique individual plan and purpose for your life. You just won't find it outside of that. Final question. We've asked what will be the center of my life. We've asked what's going to be the character of my life. We've asked what's going to be the contribution of my life. Here's the last question. What will be the communication of my life? What will be the communication of my life? What will be my life message? I want you to think about something. I'm going to tell you something this morning. See how it hits you. God wants to speak to this world through you. God wants to speak to this world through you. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Me? Yeah, you. <laughs> but, but, but I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a trained minister. Okay, but that, that's not at all what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about your life message. God has a message for this world that he wants to deliver through you. Let's circle back to the verse we began with, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. This is the New Living Translation. It reads this way. Paul said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Now, there's two different messages that are, that are wrapped up in this good news. There's a general message that every single one of us as Christians need to be sharing with our world. It's the message about who Jesus Christ is. It's the message about what he came to do. It's the message of salvation. It's the story of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, which makes possible the forgiveness of our sin, which makes available to every person a relationship with God. And every single one of us as believers need to be sharing that universal message as part of the communication of our lives. But I want you to know something. Besides that general message, there's also a specific message God wants to share through you that comes out of your own unique backgrounds, out of your own interest and your own passions and your own values. And that message may be different, may be a different message for every single one of us. It's not going to be the same in every instance. God has a unique message that he wants to share with this world through you. For example, some of you may feel very deeply and passionately about the issue of abortion. I mean, you feel a great burden about that issue. You, your heart beats rapidly. You feel very passionately about it. You can't rest. You've, you've got to speak out. You can't keep silent. Some of you might feel a great concern about the issue of homelessness. God's given you a burden about reaching out to homeless people, and you want to keep that issue before the body of Christ. Some of you may be particularly disturbed about the issue of poverty, of hunger. Maybe some of you are burdened about the needs of single parents or abused children or human trafficking or immigration issues or racial justice and equality, some of the great social issues of our day. And let me tell you, Word about the grace of God needs to be injected into that conversation by those of us who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Others here I know are, are passionate in this church about foster care and, and adoption. I know some of you are Gideons 
And God's given you a, 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 a real calling to distribute copies of God's Word to strategic places in our community and around the world. I, I, was, I was speaking a little earlier uh, about uh, the ministry this church has during Christmas time of, of uh, working with the Salvation Army at those kettles. And I was told just this morning, by the way, I want to share this with you, that the kettle sponsored by Taylor's First Baptist Church took in more money than any other, over $16,000, because you believe those kinds of issues are important and you wanted to inject your witness and your communication into that particular ministry. Listen, God has a unique message He wants to communicate through every single one of you. And you know what? All of those messages are important. And we need to listen to the messages from our brothers and sisters in Christ because nobody can say it all. That's why we need each other in the body of Christ. That's what's so beautiful about the church. See, here's the truth. God made me, God made you to tell others about Jesus. That's part of your life mission. It's the reason why God created you and left you here on this earth because he has a message for this world that he wants to communicate through you. He wants you to tell others about the salvation available through Christ and he wants you to share the truth about the great issues in our culture today. God has a message that he wants to share with our world through you. So right now, I want you to think about your life. In fact, if you can, I want you to try to think ahead to the end of your life. Think ahead to the time when maybe someone is standing here over your casket. And your earthly life is over. What do you want someone to say about you on that day? That you were a good person, good husband, good wife, good parent, good neighbor, you did good things, you lived a good life? Or would you like for somebody to be able to say about you that you were a person who knew what your mission in life was and you completed it? You finished it. I don't know this morning, and, and I, I, can't, I can't comment on every single thing that God has for you to do in this life. I don't know what that is for you. But I do know this. God created you to know Him and to love Him. He must be at the center of your life. I know that God created you to become like Jesus. He must be, his character must become the character of your life. I know that God created you to use the talents and the abilities, the resources, the time, the relationship that he's given you to serve him and to help others, to be a giver and not a taker. And that should be the contribution of your life. And he created you to tell others about Jesus in all of the various ways that He impresses upon us to do that. That must be the communication of your life. And these four universal purposes, my friend, I'll say again, are the boundaries within which you will be able to discover your own unique life purpose and mission. And this morning, whether you're 8 years old or 18 
or 88, it doesn't matter. This is what's going to determine ultimately your success in life. Whether you come to the end of your journey and whether God's going to be able to say, well done, you finished what I gave you to do. Let me close with this. The future of your individual life and the future of this church, Taylor's First Baptist Church, is not going to be the story. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to make some really practical and personal application here. That is not going to be the story of what God does here through Josh Powell. Please don't put that burden on your new pastor. What God is able to do in your life and what He is able to do in and through the life of this church and in your home and in your community and in this nation and among the nations will be the story of what God wants to do and what He is able to do through every single one of us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time and we thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, these, these four questions that we have looked at this morning would just continue to reverberate in our hearts and in our minds. What really is the center of life for us right now? The center, the foundation. The hub. What is at the center of life for us? What is the character of our lives? What is and what will be the contribution of our lives? And what are we going to allow you to do to speak through us and be the communication? of our lives. Lord, I believe this morning you have a perfect, individual, personalized plan for every single person within the sound of my voice. Some of us haven't discovered that yet. Some of us haven't even begun the journey of trying to discover that yet. Some of us may be looking back over life today and thinking, hmm, something else has been at the center of my life. I haven't made much of an eternal contribution to life. And the character and the communication of my life have, have been far from what God's Word says it ought to be. So Father, each one of us as we look toward a future in this new year, as a church family, as we look toward a new journey with, with a new pastor, I pray, Father, that you would help us to know and understand very clearly you made us to know you and to love you. You made us to become like Jesus. You made us, Father. You made us to serve you and to serve others, to be givers and not takers. And you made us to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, if we'll do that, if we'll live within 
those sidelines and those goal lines. And Father, you will set us out on an incredible journey. And when we cross that goal line, you'll be pleased. And so will we. With no reservations, no regrets. Now, Father, in these moments, would you speak to our hearts and would you cause us to make decisions today that would bring honor and glory to your Son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.